Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. I'd like to direct your attention to a portion of the Word of God this morning in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 and verses 1 through 6. Just, if you'll just remain seated, I want to read this to you and make a comment or two as I go along. But in Ecclesiastes chapter 11, beginning in verse 1, a very strange, very strange command. Cast thy bread upon the waters. Now, can you imagine something like that? And he said, you'll find it after many days. Can you imagine me standing out here uh, by the ocean and with a loaf of bread, tossing it out there? And, uh, uh, and there. you say, well, that old man loves fish. He wants to feed the fish. I'm casting my bread upon the waters. And then, Finally, I'm out of bread. And so I stand there looking, looking. And uh, somebody says, well, that old gentleman, I wonder why he's still there. And so you ask me, why are you still standing here by the ocean side? Oh, I'm waiting for my bread to come back. I'm waiting for my bread. And you say, you know, he doesn't look dangerous, but he must be old and somewhat out of touch with reality because that old man has thrown the bread out on the water and he expects it to come back. And uh, so as I look at this, cast thy bread upon the waters, we shall find it and you shall find it after many days. Give a portion to seven and also to eight. In other words, that says seven is completion, but you go beyond that. And so in this missions conference, you were giving to missions last year, but this year you've got to go beyond that. This year you've got to exercise more faith because you already know that God enabled you to give last year. And so now you're going to increase it this year. Isn't that right? Amen. Can, can we get amen? amen? Oh, that sounds more like Baptist. At first I thought you were Methodist. But, uh, uh, but, uh, you see, we're going, everybody's going to increase their faith promise. Now, would you do this between now and next Sunday? Just pray about doubling what you did last year. I want to show you something here as we continue in this scripture. Give a portion to seven and to eight. For thou knowest not what shall evil shall be upon the earth, if the clouds be full of rain and empty themselves upon the earth, or if a tree falls toward the south or toward the north, in the place where the tree falleth, there it shall be. There are some things that we don't understand. There are some things that we do not know. And he, uh, but it says in verse 4, He that observeth the wind uh, shall not sow, he that regardeth the clouds shall not reap. You see, it's very easy in this day and time with the political situation as it is, to say, well, this year I cannot afford because of the economy, the price of gas and everything, I can't afford to increase my faith promise. But he said, don't be looking at the obstacles that are in the way. He said, uh, uh, if you're looking at the clouds, if you're looking at, uh, at uh, 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 the wind or listening to the wind, uh, he said, uh, uh, he that observeth the cloud, the wind shall not sow, he that regardeth the cloud shall not reap. You see, the Bible teaches you reap what you sow, and you always reap in proportion to what you sow. You see, if you've got 
500 acres up here in the valley of wonderful land, the only way that you'll get your crop is to plant in all 500 acres. You cannot expect to plant in five acres and get 500 acres of food. And so he says, now, uh, if, you're, if you're looking at the obstacles, uh, he said, you'll not sow and, you, and uh, you'll not reap. But he says also in verse five, thou knowest not what is the way of the spirit or how the, uh, the, uh, uh, wombs do, uh, the bones do grow in the womb of her that is with child. Even so thou knowest not the work of God who maketh all. There are some things you don't know. And so when we talk politics, we listen to the news and everything, we can become so discouraged and uh, we can say, oh, we need change and, and all of these things. But you and I are in a different realm. We're in the work of God. And so God gives us instructions on what our responsibility is. And so then in verse six, in the morning, that's you teach your little children to start yeah, tithing, start giving by faith, isn't that right? Mamas and daddies have the responsibility <coughs> excuse me, of teaching their children in uh, early in life, uh, their stewardship uh, in the Lord's service. And then in, he said in the morning, sow thy seed in the evening. When you get old, you're retired. When you get old and you're retired, that's the time to go to the mission field and, uh, uh, and really accomplish a work. And so, uh, but he said in, in the morning, in the evening, yeah, when you're a child, but in the mid in midlife, when you're that, that productive age in life, that's the time for you to really get involved in faith promise missions. So in the morning sow thy seed, in the evening withhold not thy hand, for thou knowest not whether she'll prosper, either this or that, or whether uh, uh, the both, that both uh, shall be good. Now, so as I look at the scripture here, I think back in life. As a young man, I, I was from a very large family, and uh, my older brothers all uh, were able to go to college, but the time that they got down to me, I was number six. And uh, uh, so I didn't feel, I really didn't feel that I was able uh, to go to college. And uh, so I chose to go into the military, and thinking that after the military is over, I'll be able to go to college and uh, follow uh, my desire of my life, which was in the field of engineering. And so I, uh, one day I was teaching at Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri, and uh, uh, the courier came out and he had a piece of paper. And I looked at that piece of paper and it said, you are assigned to the Far East Command. I knew what that was because we were getting the, uh, the intelligence reports once a week of our American soldiers, along with other United Nations uh, people, they were in Korea, and uh, we learned of the advance and retreat and so forth, and uh, so I thought, I've got a good job teaching here at Fort Leonard Wood, and so, uh, so I don't have to worry. But the courier came out with that letter, and uh, it said, you are assigned to the Far East. I knew that meant Korea. And, uh, and the, our American troops called it uh, Frozen Chosen. And you know, 
how it is in Korea during Chiang Mai Tai, uh, the, uh, uh, when the rains fall and then in the winter, how deep the snows can get in those valleys. And uh, well, so our, our GIs call it frozen chosen. Well, uh, I took the, that and as I received those orders, I said in my heart, you're religious, but you are not going to heaven. I knew I wasn't. I was too vile, too wicked. I knew, yes, I was very religious. I was trained to say the Lord's Prayer. I was trained to keep the Ten Commandments, even though I didn't even know them. I was supposed to do that. And I thought that I was religious enough. But when I got those orders, God spoke to my heart and said, this may be your death warrant and you will burn forever in hell. I went home. Dad and mom, wonderful old te school teachers, dad and mom, they said, son, you're going to war. Now, we want you to go, first of all, to a revival. We went to a revival and an old time preacher stood and for the first time in my life, I understood what it meant to be born again, to be saved. And so, uh, I, uh, uh, when the invitation time came, I walked down the aisle and I received Christ as my savior. My wife at that time uh, carried, had our, our first child and she came and she got saved. And uh, so then very shortly thereafter, sailed from California uh, to uh, Korea, landed in Incheon, got off with a big boat onto the landing craft but the enemy had already been pushed back. And so uh, they, they put us on trucks. And I went up, some of you uh, from Korea may recognize the Toron Reservoir or the Kumpa, Kumpa Valley. And that was where uh, that I was stationed, in that Iron Triangle area, uh, they called it. And a very, very difficult situation. Uh, there in that place and uh, so I thought I thought uh, it won't be long uh, in a year I'll be going home in the meantime I would see the refugees coming I would see them coming old men carrying the chicken and uh, uh, and heavy loads on their back and uh, I would see those old men and I would stand there and look at them and I would think that could have been my father but by the God, grace of God, I was born uh, in uh, America. And so I'd see, I'd see the mothers. The mothers had walked so far, carrying a limp child. The mothers had walked so far, they couldn't even produce milk for their children. And there hung that little child on their arm. And I thought that could be my mother that could be my sister. But it won't be long till I can erase this from my memory. And I remember, I remember uh, so well uh, uh, when the, my driver came uh, to take me off of the frontline area, uh, to take me to the ship. I, uh, I told the driver, I said, now driver, I want you to go straight to the dock. I do not want you to point out anything 
because I want to erase this memory from my life. I don't want to remember anything of this experience. And so he drove. And uh, I got aboard ship. And when we pulled out, I didn't even look back. I thought, it's over. This part of my life is done. I will erase it uh, from my life. And so came back to the United States and uh, uh, went to Rolla, Missouri to uh, be there uh, for ready enrollment in the engineering college. And uh, uh, so uh, as, I, as I would uh, kneel to pray, I would kneel to pray and I'd close my eyes and I would see those Korean people walking in front of my eyes. And I said, Lord, if you're going to do that to me while I pray, I'm going to keep my eyes open. <laughs> so so uh, I, uh, I finally said, okay, uh, Lord, my, you've changed the course of my life. I will go back to Korea as a missionary. In the meantime, finishing college, and, and, uh, uh, and uh, we, uh, before it was all over, uh, we uh, had five children, and so I told my wife, I said, now, I want you to know that when we were in Korea, we swept through the city of Seoul. It was destroyed. Along the way, the little houses, farmhouses, were run over by the tanks or shot uh, down because it was a potential pillbox. And so about 15 miles from uh, from the Kumha Valley, uh, there was uh, uh, there were no houses, and uh, but uh, we pulled back one time, and I'll never forget that experience. One morning, we were in tents. One morning, uh, I heard a cry, a cry, and I uh, 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 one of my men. Uh, I was a platoon leader at that time, and. Uh, one of my men said, there's somebody here in the cave. And so, come to find out, here was an old gentleman, probably a grandfather, and there with him was a little granddaughter. But when the cry came, we said, just shoot in there because he's not supposed to be in this area. But thank God, we didn't shoot. And out came this old gentleman and his little granddaughter. And I said, thank God, they're spared. They're, they're not enemy, they're spared. And so then, as the time, as the, uh, uh, time came on, I told my wife, uh, I said, we may have to live in a tent. That takes a lot of surrender uh, for a woman with her children uh, to live in a tent. But thank God, we didn't have to. Uh, live in a tent. I fully expected to. And so, uh, so uh, then I consider this scripture. Cast your bread upon the waters. Revelation says the waters represent people. The waters represent people. So cast your bread. That's the ne necessity of life. Cast what you really need. Take what you really ought to have. But you Give it to the people, and you'll receive it back after many days. You see, the Bible says, 
the just shall live by faith. And without faith, it's not remotely possible to please God. So you have to live a life by faith. And the purpose of, the, of today, uh, Pastor uh, told me, uh, that, that you have all these missionaries in various places, the great work that this church is sponsoring, especially those down in Mexico and uh, on down as you continue your spread down uh, all the way uh, down south uh, in the uh, Hispanic or the Latin, Latin world, as you continue that. And then, of course, uh, I want to challenge you to really get involved because Africa is listening. After Africa is listening. My wife and I have been, uh, our job is she teaches the ladies. She does a great job teaching the ladies on ladies' responsibility. There, uh, she'll tell you this when she meets with the ladies. Half of the population of the world, half are women. Half of that half, a man cannot even approach them. You have that right here. You can't give them a tract because if they receive it, if they acknowledge it, and their relative is watching, and they see that, they will be severely beaten or they'll be killed. And part of the world that she and I work in uh, is like that. And so she teaches women that you have to prepare that you, you've got to uh, be able to reach the women because that's one-fourth of the world population. And uh, so she, I think uh, you're going to be with the ladies uh, later on, honey. And uh, uh, that's her job. I teach in leadership training and what have you and primarily stewardship of life. Why are you here? You're here because God appointed you to be born in the family in which you were born, and God has a job for you. Nobody is jobless in God's economy. And so uh, God has a place and a job for you. And uh, so, so uh, then to get back to my uh, thought on going to Korea as a missionary, and I remember so well, I got there, I could not say, didn't dare say, because the language we learned as GIs wasn't good language. And uh, so uh, the people were very kind, and they would come, and they would bow, and they would start talking to me in Korean. And all I could say was, uh, say was ne ne, ne ne. And uh, all day long, bowing, ne ne, all day long. Uh, but they were so kind, and, uh, uh, and oh, you talk about trials, uh, various things, but it was so rewarding to be among people that were hungry, that were thirsty for the gospel, uh, for the gospel of Christ. As the time came on, I found, I found that the people were, uh, were actually longing uh, to know the true God. Their, system of government had failed. Their uh, past religions of, of witchcraft or uh, Buddhism or spiritism, it had all failed. Their world had collapsed. I remember one day I heard a knock 
on our gate. And I went out there, and here stood an old man. He stood there. His clothes were there, layers of clothes, all patched together uh, to protect him from the cold weather. And he bowed. We talked. And he said, I've come. I want to hear about Hananim. I want to hear about Hananim. Hananim is the first, that's the true God. And so we invited him in. Wife gave him uh, some tea and a cookie. And uh, so uh, he said, I've come from over at Kangnun, way over on the East Coast. He said, I've come all the way from Kangnun by bus. He said, because we heard that you can tell us about the true God. And as yes, sir, grandfather, I can. So we sat there and starting with Adam all the way to the cross of Calvary and then to that open tomb. That's where the power of God is. See, there are many religions in the world, but there's only one. It's not a religion. It's a person. And that person is God coming as a man in order to die on the cross. And then the proof that he was God in the flesh was that Jesus Christ arose. He arose from uh, the dead. And that's where the power is. The old gentleman listened to that, and he said, oh, that's the true God. He said, I was a refugee from North Korea, came down to Kangnu, and uh, I've lived there, have no family. And I'm coming down to the end of my life, and I'm afraid of what's out there in the future. And so grandfather listened. I told him what could be his future. And the old man said, yes, I want, I want Jesus to be my God from now on. And so we prayed together and uh, uh, had fellowship, ate together. I don't recall everything, but uh, anyhow, uh, anyhow, he got ready to go. I must go now back because now I can wait for death peacefully. And I said, Grandfather, may I, may I buy your bus ticket back to Kangnu? Oh, he said, uh, I didn't come for that. I'm not, I bought my own ticket. I want to know the true God. And so uh, my children stood there. This old gentleman said, now I'm going home. I can go satisfied because I know my sins are gone. I know the true and the living God. That's what missions is all about. I wonder, is there somebody in some other land that's waiting for you to come to their land? Could there be somebody that's waiting for you? Or you say, well, Brother Jack, I, I, I can't do that. Well, then send your replacement. Send your substitute. Do you do that by giving by faith? Isn't that right? And so I think about those hungry-hearted people. And uh, some of you have met Dr. Uh, Daniel Kim, uh, Kim Usang Moksanem. Uh, Kim Usang Moksanem was studying to be a diplomat in uh, uh, one of the universities there in Seoul. And a uh, large family, 
his uh, uh, dad, mom, grandma, and I think five or six sisters. And uh, so uh, there was a young medical student who would come to my house every morning at 5.30, and we would go into the church, and we would pray. And so uh, then one day, uh, Dr. Yoon, uh, you, Dr. Yu came over. He said, come with me. Uh, there's a tragedy. And just a short distance away, there was a house all ablaze. It was a, it was a uh, candy factory. That sugar had caught fire, and it just more or less exploded. But beside that house was the house of, uh, of uh, Dr. Daniel Kim. And uh, he wasn't there. But when I got there, it was cold wintertime, just in between Christmas and New Year, I think. And uh, so uh, there stood his sisters. She, uh, didn't have warm clothes on. His mom and uh, uh, his grandma. And uh, so they were weeping, shivering in that cold didn't have shoes on their feet. And so I said, well, we've got to get some shoes on with the snow. So we bought some shoes. And then I said, I want you to come to the church. Now, uh, when I mention these names, the Koreans will know. Uh, I was with the church in Hangdongdong. That's Wang uh, Chimni, the Songso Chimnekyohe. Now, you know exactly where I was. Okay. But anyhow, uh, we put that family in the church. And with all of the, in those days, the United States was sending a lot of uh, old clothes and things. And so they, we were able to keep them warm. And then one day, Dr. Kim's mother said, uh, Daniel, you must, or who's saying, uh, uh, you must go and tell that foreigner, thank you for taking care of our family. And so he came, and uh, he sat and he listened. And I think two or three times he came. And then one day, as I gave the invitation, down the aisle came Kim Usain. Kim Usain, a diplomat, going to be a world diplomat. But God had a different plan for his life. God wanted him to be a diplomat to the Asians, uh, to the nations. My wife and I were there with him a few weeks ago. And uh, that great church, Pudu Guangdong uh, Bible Baptist Church, that great church, uh, uh, when in those days, Korean people were trying to stay alive, my wife and my children would take food under the bridges in the holes in the mountainside to feed to the people. The old discarded uh, ammunition crates, they would put houses together to live in them. And uh, uh, that was the conditions of those days. And so, so uh, I was mentioning Dr. Kim and his family. He was scheduled to be a diplomat, but God said, I want you to be the diplomat. And that church, Guangdong, Bible Baptist Church, and all of the other churches of Korea have representatives throughout the world, all throughout China. We have factories, and uh, 
missionaries that worked those factories, uh, Korean and trained pastors, in all the way up in Russia, all the way down to Saudi Arabia, everywhere you turn, and Mr. Kim, down here in Mexico, he is from the Bible Baptist Church in Pul Guangdong. A lovely lady came to me a while ago, said she was, had been saved in Pul Guangdong. That church is now 61 years old for all these years with the various ministries of, of Dr. Kim, serving as president of our college, a very good uh, seminary uh, type college now. But uh, all of these years, the various ministries, wherever Dr. Kim has traveled, many times uh, coming up here with Dr. Paul Chapel, who was one of my students in years past. And, uh, uh, and uh, uh, Dr. Kim has pastored that one church 61 years, 61 years. He and I really, really were closer than even I was with my uh, brothers, my, uh, uh, my family. Uh, he and I traveled all over Korea, going from village to village. Oftentimes, uh, we would talk about looking up there and seeing a remote house, which is not really yeah, uh, usual in Korea in those days. You see a remote house. Oh, that's too far to climb. And then we would say, there was 99 that safely lay in the shepherd's fold. 99, but one far away. Well, we've got to go get that one far away. And we would go. I remember one time, Dr. Kim was out alone walking and, uh, uh, and uh, he saw a house up there and the trail leading up to it was covered with snow and ice. Well, Dr. Kim uh, started trying to climb that steep slope, frozen slope, and uh, uh, his feet would come out from under him. And so he took his shoes off, put them in his overcoat pocket, and with bare feet and hands, he climbed that slope. And the grandmother sitting up there putting the uh, little uh, flowers together, that grandmother, that was the way she made her living. She, um, she would put those uh, flowers together and then sell them uh, during, during the week. And uh, Dr. Kim uh, uh, called out, Keshimnika, oh, she said, yes. Are you here? Yes. She said, well, uh, what message is so important that you would come on a day like this and barefoot in the snow? Well, he couldn't climb with his shoes on his slipping out from under him. And so he went in, he sat down, and he explained to that grandmother about the love of God. And that grandmother said, I've lived all of my life, and the gods that I've served they're cruel, they're mean, and uh, they don't love anybody. And they, uh, we always are afraid of them. But she understood that Jesus loved her. And so she got saved. And then when the snow cleared, she brought an entire week, an entire week of her salary or 
her money that she'd gotten from selling the flowers. And she brought it and said, this is my full week. I want to give you, I want to give you this. And uh, 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 to the church there at Pudguangdong, she said, I want to give you this. Oh, he said, no, no. She said, oh, please, don't deny me a blessing. You can't come before the God empty-handed. You can't come before the God empty-handed. And he gave, she gave that entire week's salary uh, to, uh, to the church. And uh, this is the way that God was working. Well, got to rush along here. I, uh, uh, I remember uh, one time uh, I was down in, uh, for those of you that know where it is, it's Kwantan Myan, down in Chalanamdo. Uh, and uh, it was Kwantan. Uh, 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 I was there uh, preaching. Dr. Kim and I had visited all out throughout that area. And uh, I had preached there in Kwantan. And uh, uh, there was a large uh, group of people, about a hundred adults, that had received Christ as Savior. And, and uh, so uh, I was waiting for the bus. And I looked and here came an old grandmother, had a walking stick. She was walking along and she took that stick and she looked at me and she said, are you the man of God that's telling the people about Hananim, the first of all gods? I said, yes, ma'am, I am. She said, I have walked all the way from Samsung. I've walked because I want to hear about, uh, about Hananiah. Well, so uh, she sat down and I told her. And she said, missionary, look up on the mountain. There's a rock formation up there. Looks like two fingers sticking up. She said, inside that, those rocks is a, uh, is a Buddhist temple. And said, as a young girl, I would make my way up that trail. I'd, I'd rattle the gourds. I'd, I would burn the incense. But said, uh, Buddha never spoke to me one time, never even smiled. And said, I realized as I looked at him one day that he couldn't even, wa uh, he couldn't even wash his own face. And he said, and she said, how could he be a God if he can't even wash his own face? But she said, we had no other place to go. So I told her about the true and living God, Grandma Lee. Grandma Lee got saved. And uh, she said, now, did God send you here? Did Hananim send you here? Yes, ma'am, he did. And she said, well, I want you to come go with me to my village over to Samsung. And uh, I said, Grandma, I'm waiting on a bus. I gotta go back to my family in Seoul. And, uh, uh, so later we'll come. She said, no. Said, tell me when. And I said, okay, I'll come and I'll bring my family. And uh, so grandma was satisfied. I remember that day getting off that old, some of you, well, most of you are not, don't even come close to being old enough to remember those old buses in those days. But we got, came in on that old bus and standing there smiling was Grandma Lee. And uh, so she got a hold of our hand. We started a church beside uh, the village well and uh, there in Samson. And so then she uh, 
she said, now, we need a place to meet. And said, my husband died, but he left this land and said, I want to give you this land uh, and let's build a building uh, for God. And so she gave us a plot of land and then we set about to build a building. And uh, so uh, in that area, there was a lot of uh, rocks. And so we set about to build that building out of rocks. And uh, so uh, uh, Grandma was walking around praying. She wasn't ashamed. She'd pray out loud. And they'd, uh, some would make fun of her. But she would, uh, uh, she'd walk around praying. And she came to these men working on a bridge, and there was the abutment. She said, men, it's going to take a lot of rocks to fill that hole. They said, they said yes, Grandma. And so Grandma uh, got her a basket, and she'd go down to the stream. She'd fill, it, fill that basket with rocks. She'd come up there and dump it out in that hole until she carried a whole truckload of rocks. We call that Grandma's dump truck. And... Uh, so Grandma, uh, 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 then she, they gave her a dollar, and she brought that and had her grandson to fill out the envelope. A lot of people are afraid of filling out an envelope. A lot of people say, well, I don't want to make a commitment. I might not keep it. Well, that just means you're not going to. Uh, if you make a commitment to God, it's better, it's better to vow, and better to not vow than to vow it and not uh, pay it, right? So, so Grandma, uh, she gave all of that uh, toward the building fund. Well, we built that uh, church there at uh, Samsung. One day, Grandma said, uh, a missionary, uh, I want you to do something for me. I said, okay, Grandma. Uh, she said, when you go back to America, I want you to take me. And I said, well, Grandma, I'm shocked. I thought you wanted to go to heaven. She said, I do, but I'd like to go by way of America. <laughs> well, that's Grandma Lee. And uh, so time came, she knew she was leaving this life. She said, now I want you to bury me out there on the land in front of the church. They said, Grandma, you got to be buried up on the mountain. No, no, uh, I want to be buried. And when you bury me, you bury me when the rapture comes. I'll stand up and I'll look at the house of God where I had such joy of life for all those years. And uh, so sure enough, they buried Grandma out there in front of the Samson Church. And uh, I, when I could, I'd go there and I'd stand beside Grandma's grave. Thank God, thank God for the privilege of being a missionary to bring hope to the hopeless, life, eternal life, to those who are headed for the second death. Oh, listen. And uh, so uh, a few weeks ago, a month ago, my wife and I were back in Korea. Grandma's been gone, but here came a lovely, real gray-haired lady. And she, uh, she actually met us at the airport. And she said, I am the granddaughter of Grandma Lee. 
And then she wrote me a letter. Thank you. Thank you for coming to some son, to a little old girl that loved her grandma. Thank you for coming to some son and telling this little old girl about Jesus. And she said, my husband and I have been serving in this church all these years. Friends, that's what missions is all about. Somebody, somewhere, may be waiting for you. Somebody, somewhere, they're hungry. And, oh yes, they're heathen, but God loves them just as much as he loved you. And uh, I would urge you this year, make this a different year in your missions giving. Go ahead and make up your mind. Husband, wife, pray together about how much you should increase it. And it, it actually represents faith. And even if it means doubling it, go ahead and double that faith promise this year. Listen, don't worry about the American economy. You see, right now is the time to show our faith when we're in the midst, in the midst of a storm. And then I'm sure the time has come for more, more young couples to give their lives to be missionaries. Would you, would you consider that? Just say, I will be like Isaiah. I'll be a volunteer. God said, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? And uh, you say, here am I. Lord, send me. Send me. And you will find it's the greatest life you could ever, you could ever imagine. Now, one more thing I want to talk to you about. That is, right now, a mighty movement is taking place. My wife and I are involved in several countries in Africa, teaching the people stewardship, their role, their involvement. In the country of Zambia, it was the country that the famous missionary David Livingston uh, stopped in, sat beside the tree, and prayed for that town that is now named after him. And uh, uh, we have Mario Hanada. Mario Hanada is from Iloilo in the Philippines, a powerful man of God. Then over by Namibia, the country of Namibia, is uh, Ed Kalabayan. And uh, they need more financial help. They, uh, Mario has been there now, what, 25 years? I guess something like that. And uh, he had started 21 churches. And then we asked him to double that. Well, they doubled it. And then we ask, we ask them to, uh, 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 to go to all the schools because the schools are wide open in Zambia. And uh, so uh, and throughout that area, during COVID, they didn't stop. They would still meet with small groups and training. Now, my wife and I were limited. They wouldn't let us back in the country. But they, uh, the people make their church buildings out of mud blocks. And uh, they, 
uh, uh, they uh, press them together and uh, uh, let them bake in the sun and then they put them in a furnace and bake them further and they make mudlock buildings. And the, the thing that uh, uh, they do then, the only cost of those buildings is the roof and the, the windows and the pews, that's it. We in, uh, in, in Zambia, they can build a building for their people out of the elements, the weather, they can build it for just $5,000. Only $5,000. We need 12. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to see this church right here. This church build one of those buildings and let's put a sign in front saying, Pastor Che, Pastor Ken, Bible Baptist Church, Gardena, California. That's not asking too much, is it? And put that sign on there. Way out in that remote jungle of Africa, you have a lighthouse shining for the Lord Jesus Christ. So as I close, my question to you is, would number one, you give your life to be a missionary? Cast your bread, throw your life away, you know, we have that expression in Corinthian, don't throw your life away. Well, when you hear, when you hear a young person in Korean and they pray, Lord, I throw my life away. Oh, your heart leaps for joy when you hear that kind of commitment to God. You need to make that commitment and go and be a missionary. You need to really increase your faith promise this year. And don't just go along and look at the clouds and uh, the economy of the world, uh, hear the news, it's, uh, it's always negative. Don't, don't even pay any attention to that. God is still in control. So I'm asking you, give your life, increase that faith promise like you haven't in a long time, you haven't increased. And then I'm asking you to really consider Let's have that sign. On that building in the jungles of Zambia, let's have that sign. Pastor Che, Pastor Kim, Bible Baptist Church, Gardena, California. Now, let's stand together, shall we?